Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lunnan. And this is Volume Up by The Tees. Kelly, welcome back. Yep, I'm back. Refreshed, better than ever. <laughs> yes, I took in the historic sites of the East Coast. I know so much about Yorktown, Jamestown, Williamsburg. Perhaps the highlight of the trip was the ghost tour. Scared the living daylights out of my kids. Totally worth it. It was at night. It was pitch dark. We love that. <laughs> uh, this is the official pitch to uh, get everybody to go to Colonial Williamsburg. They've not been it there. Is. Uh, highly, highly reviewed. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad that you're back. On last week's episode, Kelly talked with volume up friend Mickey Wright about pricing. Mickey explained why stylists don't always charge what they're worth and how to change that, even though something may be holding them back. We loved that. And if you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure that you subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at ReadTheTees and send us questions at volumeupatthetees.com. We're checking the mailbox. Still sure checking are. it. <laughs> ding, ding. All right. This week, Jeffrey talked with Kellen Swade, influencer and clothing shop owner, which awesome last name considering... Mm -hmm said occupation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to discuss what it means to be non-binary in beauty and especially what it's like to be an openly non-binary content creator who focuses on beauty and makeup. Kellen has such an important perspective that we should all consider and continue to build the future of this industry. But before we get there, there's something that we got to talk about. And okay. this is a little bit awkward. Um, it's definitely not safe for work, uh, no. depending oh. on where you work. I mean, we're working. Uh, it's about <laughs> OnlyFans. Ooh. So OnlyFans has been in the news a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the basic premise is this, right? They had explicit content. They were set to ban it. That turned out to be hugely unpopular and they reversed mm -hmm. course. So Kelly, my question to you, were they ever going to ban explicit content? Tell me. No. Solid, solid PR move by the OnlyFans PR team hustling and bustling hustling. over there. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars worth nice of coverage. Everybody nice... was talking about yes. this. And Woo! those who don't know about it now know. So I'm going to say major win on the PR coup front over there at OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, and according to the Wall Street Journal, they reversed their decision to ban content. Many of the platform's stars felt the sting of being turned away from this lucrative business they've built. So I was going to say, I didn't realize how much money they no. could make, but you could make a couple, like the, I, I read something in the New York Times, $25,000 a yeah. week if you've got a certain amount of subscribers. I mean, I can appreciate how coming for the bag would make them unhappy. Uh, but now with all of this press, maybe they'll get more subscribers yeah. than they would have had otherwise. So yes. everybody's got to be walking away happy. I know I was listening to CNN and said former ICU nurse makes 200K a month on OnlyFans. And my question is, wow, she's still a nurse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. yeah, it makes you think. Dang. Hmm. I don't know. So hmm. all right, OnlyFans, you get the kudos of the week from the team at the T's. We do not have explicit content on our platform. We're, no, no, we sure don't. Mm -hmm. Um, a happy ending for them. 
uh, pun intended. <laughs> um, speaking of maybe not so happy endings, um, mm-hmm. there's another story that's been big this week, and it sort of coincides with the oh. only fans of it all. Um, the Nirvana baby uh, is suing um, suing the estate <laughs> of Kurt Cobain and the band uh, because of that famous album cover in which yes. he's a little nude baby. Um, so Kelly, do you, I mean, like, obviously we should put this out there. We are not lawyers here. Um, Indeed we Kelly are not. and I do not have a <laughs> legal background. We don't even play one on TV or. <laughs> no, no, no. So, I mean, this is just speculation and observation. Um, do you think that this holds any water? Literally, figuratively, well <laughs> played with the puns, my friend today. Yikes. Um, you know, I don't, I I think maybe the baby is in some financial hardship times and thought, let's, let's give it a whirl. I mean, I think unless he just turned 18 or some sort of age that now would look back and go, that wasn't right. It seems like a a grab to me, maybe another PR stunt. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it feels very suspicious, the timing of it. I mean, there's so many things that are happening in the world right now. Like this is the, like, right. yeah, so it feels to me like a money grab. I could be very wrong. Didn't really understand what the initial consent permissions looked like. I would have assumed that that would have been sorted out. Um, and given- Jeff, where were the baby's parents? I mean, they signed <laughs> off on this. You know, imagine, and then, and then imagine walking into a party. It's not the first thing you say, Hey, by the way, I was the naked baby on the Nirvana cover. And then you go, Hmm, like, Oh, look at that cover. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just don't think it's a, I don't, I don't know. No, I mean, I'm with you. I feel like there's a certain amount of anonymity with Mm -hmm. that. Like no one would ever have to know that you were the Nirvana (laughs) baby. Um, So I don't know that you can really claim that it did harm you know, um, yeah. but I could, I, you know, that is for the courts to decide, I guess. Yeah, uh, it is. We'll, we'll see. Um, <laughs> although I would not be surprised if he also reverses his decision. Um, uh-huh. and just, two, you know, <laughs> two PR plays, two potential reverses. All right. That's what's going on today in our Maybe world. he'll parlay it into <laughs> an OnlyFans career. Maybe that's the next step here. I don't, I mean, it again, very well could be. Could be in the stars. <laughs> And speaking of stars, our editorial team has been hard at work this week, uncovering industry news, diving into the, into the brands you didn't know, but should. Here are our favorite headlines from the tease.com this week. And I'm kicking it off. Our friends over at the Wella Company announced three new appointments to their executive leadership team. One stood out to me and I'm liking what I'm seeing. So they announced, as I mentioned, executive leadership appointments and The one that I found the most interesting was for Jean Costa joining as the global chief financial officer. So now Wella is now one of seven from the top 25 biggest beauty brands to hire a female global CFO. All right. We're here to see it. So progress, I I guess, Jeff, what are we feeling Mm -hmm. about that? I'm excited. I mean, good for them. Uh, We've talked about this with a number of podcast guests. Women make up so much of the beauty industry. Right. um, And yet are often not represented in terms of leadership, in terms of decision making. Um, So we're all about it. We love to see 
female CFOs, CEOs, COOs, all of the C-suite. Uh, yeah, no, this is big news. This is incredible for them. So kudos to Wella Company. Love the story. You guys should definitely check it out on thetease.com uh, and let us know what you think about this. Uh, something that I was really interested in on thetease.com this week is about it girl Olivia Rodrigo. The title of the article is Every Single Wild Hairstyle Olivia Rodrigo Wore in Her New Brutal Music Video. I feel like by now, you know, listeners of this podcast probably have watched the video uh, maybe a couple of times. Uh, we certainly did. So our editorial team watched it. The Petra Collins produced vid, uh, directed, I should say. Um, and recaps all of their favorite hairstyles. And there are a ton of them, uh, styled by the incomparable Clayton Hawkins, who works with a ton of the Gen Z Amazing. it girls mm-hmm. um, that are all over the, the gram, as it were. Uh, but yeah, this is a kind of like take on Instagram and TikTok culture. There's lots of filters, but then there's also sort of homage to different pop stars of yore. Uh, The writer, Evan Ross Katz, had posted about uh, that Olivia wears a dress that Britney had worn at like her peak, which is kind of where Olivia's at. Uh, And so really, there's a lot to like unpack about this. And, you know, I'm sure everybody's got different opinions, but there's something that I want to know. Kelly, my question is, what's more brutal? (laughs) 2000s fashion for real? Or Gen Z's interpretation or romanticization, romanticization, Mm -hmm. I can't Romanticization, no. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Which is more brutal? (laughs) 2000s fashion or Gen Z's interpretation of 2000s fashion? Yes, I have a very distinct perception on this. And Mm -hmm. I believe it is the Gen Z interpretation of 2000s fashion I was there in the 2000s doing all of those things and potentially at my peak in some regard. So I just want to say that I'm here for the low-waisted jeans, the not the butterfly clip. No, because I didn't like it then. But I want to say, you know, Gen Z is giving it a good world, but they're just not going to get there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I feel like that's true. I mean, like it's. It's like, like a anything sort of, that comes back, right? right it's right. never not as, as good the second not time. Not as good. Not no. as good. So yeah. So we'll say that it's more brutal. <laughs> Check out the piece on the tease.com, uh, especially if you haven't seen the video, because the looks are worth checking out. There's a, a lot of wigs. There's a lot of looks yeah. that are happening. So nice. Good try, Olivia. Br- brutal. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next up, Pinterest just announced a hair pattern search, which is going to make it easier for people to find textured hair inspo, which yes. Okay. So Pinterest, we all go there. It's our destination of choice to check out hair, fashion, home goods. You know, you, you, you got it right. But if you ever tried searching specifically for textured hair ideas on the platform, then you probably know how difficult it was to basically be catered to, uh, with those looks until now. So they launched their first of its kind search tool called hair pattern search that lets you search again, like I said, for inspiration by specific hair type. Here's what I find interesting. Obviously Mm. a strong professional interest in this one, which brings to mind a deep cut specific AI scene from Silicon Valley. If you know, you know, if you don't, I mean, you've watched Silicon Valley, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Technology is changing us. Certainly. 
But I would have thought that Pinterest had tapped into machine learning a long time ago. Give me your hot take on that. Are they behind? <sighs> um, so yes, I think strictly speaking, the technology has been there. That's established. Uh, so okay. yeah, I will say that they're late to this. It's like, mm-hmm. yay, we did it. Uh, but it does feel, as you said, a little bit like, shouldn't this have already been a thing? Yes. Gang. Mm-hmm. Um, a gang. Yeah. Feels a little bit like they're, they're playing catch up. But I mean, glad that it's here at all. Glad it's here. Should have been here sooner. Our editors break it all down for our readers on the tease.com. As always, so, so much going on tease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish the stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Up next, Kellen Swain. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Volume Up podcast. I'm Jeffrey London, and I'm here with Kellen Swade. We are going to talk about all things beauty today (laughs) and cannot wait to get started. Uh, Kellen, for folks that are not familiar with you and your work, how did you get started? Hair, makeup, clothing, you literally do it all. uh, And we're going to talk about all of it. Where did this come from? How did this start for you? Um, So growing up, I really was not into makeup at all. Up until about eighth grade, the only thing I wanted to do was with my hair was dye it red and cut it into a bob. I wanted a bob for like forever. And I finally did it. And after that, I really got interested into like alternative music, just like emo music. And my grandmother actually had passed away. So I was on my phone a lot, to be honest. So um, makeup kind of became something that I liked because it was both like a coping mechanism, but also it was emo. So I just wanted to soak up everything alternative. And I started off with like regular winged eyeliner, got really good at that. I used acrylic paint for a while, <laughs> but <laughs> now I'm good. I I decided to, um, like when I was in high school, I decided to start matching my eyeshadow to my outfits. And then that's where I like started doing the more creative stuff. Um, yeah. I did kawaii style for a little bit my junior year of high school and uh, just between alternating through that and emo style, it allowed me to discover and create with lots of different types of, um, I guess, makeup styles and stuff. I never was really into like the just regular Instagram makeup guru. I was always into like the really like crazy stuff, so... So talk to me a little bit about that. What is the internet look from your perspective? What is What are the hallmarks of that? I mean, I feel like I know what you're getting at, but for our listeners at home that are maybe not sure that there is a look, what would you describe that as? I would definitely say like brown cut crease with glitter, like not very long eyeliner, lashes, of course, and like the eyebrows with like the fade and then they're like, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I, and I think we're listening to too, but I love hearing about it. I mean, I could see the spark in your eye. Um, yeah. <laughs> how would you describe your relationship to beauty? I mean, you talked a little bit about how you got into it as a coping mechanism. I'm so sorry to hear about uh, the situation with the family, um, but you've turned it into something really transformative and beautiful. Uh, what, if it's 
but you didn't feel comfy with like the Instagram look, like how do you define sort of how you, your level of comfort, how you engage with beauty as a concept? Regardless of how I feel, I still want to be pretty. And I also feel like what other people's identification of pretty may be very different than mine. Whereas like mine is, it's always been creative. I've always been super out there. Um, So everything I do is just like, I kind of want to stand out. And while being non-binary, it kind of makes you stand out in a bad way sometimes because people don't necessarily read it correctly. (laughs) And so I feel like for, especially during quarantine, I didn't have to go out. And so I feel like my relationship with beauty kind of distanced because I came out and then I was in the house all the time. So I didn't (laughs) have to do makeup. I didn't have to look nice. And so... I do feel like I've distanced a little bit, but then coming back through like TikTok and stuff, times where I, I want to do creation, I want to show people what I'm doing. Um, I feel more connected to it. And I definitely don't see beauty anymore as like a thing that is like, oh, like I need to be like the hottest. It's more of an art style to me, like in general. It's just definitely like something I see as artistic first. We love that. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners think about beauty in the same way, uh, but Mm -hmm. it's always nice to hear it articulated in this fashion where it's about you, it's expression, uh, and it's not necessarily about like the standards and the, you know, stuff that is marketed towards specific. Yeah. Yeah. So good to hear about uh, your sort of experience of of beauty and doing it for yourself. Uh, You've got a really interesting background uh, and you've got a brand, which is not sort of hand in hand with content creators that are in the beauty space. Um, often mm-hmm. it's it's sort of product related to beauty specifically or cosmetic products, um, but you've got a lifestyle brand, uh, Kale Suede. So talk to us a little bit about that. Um, what are the goals for the brand? How did that come about? Um, yeah, just really curious. I love that you asked that question because I absolutely love talking about my brand. And I definitely think everybody thought like growing up that I'd be like the makeup guru and I just didn't want to take that route. So I love that you asked it in that way. Um, So for starters, my dad is a graphic designer. I grew up like seeing t-shirts made in my house daily. Um, My mom is also creative. She used to make cheer bows a lot. I grew up as a cheerleader. Um, So my brother, when he was in high school, had a clothing brand and I thought that was really cool. And I was really into content creation back then. So I started a YouTube channel and I wanted, I've always kind of been like a very like fake it till you make it kind of guy. So like I wanted to be like, oh, here's my merch when I had like less than a hundred subscribers, because I felt like if I took myself seriously, then everybody else would. So I released Kale Suede originally as um, a merch merchandise website for my YouTube channel. I just rebranded. My name originally was going to be Kale Suede. Um, And I just, back then I kind of knew whatever I was born and always known as and like my hometown and stuff, I wanted to be separated from that because that didn't feel like it was fitting towards me. So Kale Suede definitely started off as like, um, just a rebranding of myself and then obviously promoting the YouTube channel. And then I felt myself kind of get a lot more passionate about that instead of YouTube. Mm -hmm. And 
that's kind of where it went. I I have actually um sold a makeup palette before, so that was really cool. I'd love to do makeup again, but I definitely think the clothing is where I really get excited, and that's where my passion is at. Talk to us a little bit about the inspiration for the line. I mean, it is for everyone, uh, Mm -hmm. which has become a bit of a gimmick for other brands, but it feels so authentic to what you're about. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about like the design process. Like, how do you think up your designs and uh, these wares? Like, talk to us about that. I I just find it so fascinating. I feel like Kale Suite has very much always been half me and like half both sides of me. Cause I've definitely feel like I've been like, never just, oh, this is Kellen. This is how he is. This is like, just all there is to me. It's always been very like two-sided. Like um, I love split dye, all that kind of thing. When I liked kawaii style, I still like the emo style. Like it never went away. And where I feel like other people go through phases, mine has always just been like adding to me inside. Like if I find a new interest, I'd be like, okay, like, I want to add that to myself instead of like, you know, how do you say like, oh, yeah, I don't like that anymore. Now I'm gonna like this. Um, So I definitely feel like when I say Kale Suede is for everyone, it's absolutely true. Um, I call it an alternative clothing brand because uh, it's like the easiest way to describe it where somebody else can understand if they haven't seen it before. But I, I think it's more than that. And I think the only reason that it's so like um emo right now is just because I don't have the opportunity to make other stuff yet mm-hmm. but I I would describe kale suede as like throwback with like but modernized so very like scene kid very early 2000s but today and um whereas people might have done a crop so- a crop top in a certain style back then like I do in my own way and like as far as like coming up for my designs, it's inspirations everywhere. If I see something, I'm like, oh my God, that's cute. Like I have to make that. I saw a coffee shop release some shorts the other day and I was like, I love those. Like I have to do something like that. Like those are amazing. And nobody would ever think like a clothing brand gets their inspiration from a coffee shop, but that's really how it is. And for example, like I have a design called the Rainbow Thrash Tea and it's like, very like death metal and it says kale suede but it's a heart shape because my logo's a heart so I like to like stick kind of with that like innocent just really like happy feel but also dark I remember one time at Hot Topic I saw a shirt that said death metal and it had like a rainbow on it it was like pink and it, I was like that's exactly how I feel like that's perfect so I, I definitely feel like kale suede is um very much of a there's it's deeper than what it like first looks like. And all of my designs are made on my phone for the most part. I can't draw that well. So like, for the example, the rainbow thrash design I was talking about, I sketched it out on a yellow piece of paper I found on the floor of my room. And then I hired somebody to do it better. Um, But it all comes from up here. And then I just work with what I can do to make it, where somebody can understand it and then they can fix it for me but especially like more of the simpler designs are completely made on my phone like it's all me it's very hands-on well I mean that hands-on approach definitely comes through and for folks that are a little bit older like myself they definitely pick up the scene elements from the early 2000s but it's done as you said like through a more modern current 
lens, which is very mm-hmm. cool. Uh, we're, we're big fans uh, of Thank Kittle you. Suede. So congrats on that. Uh, speaking of like your creative process, I mean, you really sort of came to some fame via TikTok, which is a platform that is all about creating content for yourself, uh, building something that is unique to the individual, the, the personality. And that's why it takes off. Uh, you're currently on a hiatus though. So talk to us a little bit about your relationship with social and TikTok and Instagram um, and particularly how that impacts how you feel about yourself and and beauty. I feel like that's going to be important for listeners uh, who probably feel the same without putting words in your mouth. Absolutely. I feel like um, it's been crazy, first of all, getting that popular on there. I have friends who I haven't seen in real life and then like I see them in real life they're like well like I feel like I'm hanging out with a famous person I'm like what like I no that's not how I am at all and I I really do appreciate it because I've always kind of wanted to be famous but it's also very like scary and the reason I'm on hiatus um which I'm actually about to come back it was supposed to be a two-week hiatus and it turned into two months because I really just got tired of kind of being pushed away because I'm black and so it's really 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 exhausting when I see people who put in a lot less work and they get so much more and so I would feed all this energy into my art and my content and then like my loyal fans would be there they'd be like yes come on like we love this and then it would just not get to anybody else and so I got I got sick of it and so I was Mm -hmm. like I need a break it's not good for my mental and then it kind of just kept going and I was on a longer break and so it's been a few months since the two-week break but I am really happy that I took the break um the reason that I'm coming back I just went to an anime convention and there was a lot of cosplayers tiktokers there too which I I dabble in cosplay a little bit so being around that I was like this is like what I needed like it sparked my creativity again Mm. and I knew that I didn't want to come back unless I was like ready to actually put quality content out there, which I feel like before, like before I decided to take the hiatus, I was kind of just putting crap out. And I was like, oh, this is not me. Like it's not representing me. So I feel like taking that break was really important. And anybody who is listening that does content creation, don't let anybody tell you not to take a break it's super important and you'll realize after the break how beneficial it really was it's so 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 important uh mm-hmm. i think in particular our younger listeners that are you know hustling to get seen on these platforms uh generating content in the beauty space whether it's hair whether it's makeup you know um it can be too much too much for for all of what you said Um, And speaking of things that you've said previously, you talked with Refinery29, which is partially how we had found you, about sort of TikTok and how people perceive you as a result of the content that you put out there. Talk to us a little bit about that, because I feel like, again, listeners that are in that space of generating content, um, often it can feel like it's not for them any longer. Talking a little bit about what you said, you know, needing to take a break because you weren't inspired. You were putting stuff out, but it didn't feel right for you anymore. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that experience where like you're performing for an audience and maybe that misaligns with like what you want for yourself. I started TikTok by doing, um, I was still doing cheer. So I was very much still on the she, her spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I've known for quite a while that that's not what was fitting for me. And I kind of just like let it happen. And I originally was going to take the makeup route of TikTok. And I realized quickly, I did not like that as much. Mm. And I was being put in a box. I did not like that. I was the makeup person, like my boyfriend, he does music. And so people see us together. They'd be like, Oh, yeah, you're doing music, right? Oh, yeah. And you do the makeup stuff. And I'm like, dude, the makeup stuff like that's not what I'm trying to be. (laughs) Um, So I, I kind of stemmed away from that. I started going more towards like the cosplay route. And then I saw that there was a lot more like different people in that and the audience was way bigger and I was like oh like these people I think I can kind of relate to a little bit more and then my for you page started to turn a little more emo and then I was like right emo I remember that I still love that let's do that and I took the emo route and that's where I've been going now it's been pretty good um I've been having like a blast but there are constantly those people who are gonna misgender you I love wigs I love all the makeup and stuff and it's just it's always the fight of like, oh, well, if you don't want to be addressed as a girl, then how can you say that you like skirts and you like makeup and all these things if you don't like feminine things? And I'm like, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And that's just not how it's felt for me. And like, I've always seen like the makeup, the hair, like the outfits, all of it as like playing dress up rather than like, I am that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's gotten really difficult in that area sometimes because I just feel like people really want you to be whatever they think that that is. Whatever you say I identify as, when they see that, they want you to be exactly that. And Mm -hmm. I've never been the type of person to just be straight out anything. I'm super complex, like not to sound cocky or anything, but a whole lot to me, you know? And so coming out with like a label it's intimidating and I don't think a lot of people realize that and then it's also the people like well why do you need a label then I'm like because I don't want to be boxed with that anymore and I just I think a lot of people need to be educated more and talk with actual like non-binary or just gender non-conforming people so that they can see that it's a lot more than what you might expect. It's not, oh, I'm in the middle of both genders or, oh, I have no gender. Everyone's relationship with the gender is different. And I don't think that cisgendered people always understand that. So that was beautifully, beautifully put. Thank you for, for sort of laying that out there. Uh, I couldn't have said it better, truthfully. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's not your responsibility to educate these folks. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. a shame that they feel like they can say the sort of things that they, and you know, we've all seen comments go left, all the way left on TikTok or Instagram about things that really people should be commenting on at all. Uh, so yeah. when you find yourself in that kind of place of like getting misgendered or having these folks placing, you know, their thoughts about what you should be on you, how do you sort of deal with that? Um, I mean, obviously that's, it's personal, it's unique to you, uh, but I feel like it might be helpful for listeners that are maybe in the same Mm -hmm. spot or approaching what that could be to to know, like, what are strategies that maybe you've put in place to like help yourself against some of that? Is it like, you just take a pause and you go away for two months? Like, what do you think? (laughs) Um, I definitely think that is a great idea. It's awesome. I think everybody deserves a social media vacation every once in a while. But I definitely also think it comes into play with 
how you perceive yourself. And I think that like people just need to be more like they need to stand up for themselves. I definitely think it's really important to kind of when you get those comments and stuff, like for me, if people are like, oh, like, like, okay, since I've worked with Hot Topic, they've posted me on their Instagram and people will be like, oh, she's such a pretty girl. And then my brain is just like, oh, wow, I did not like that. So I usually just like slide in the comments that I'll be like, oh, actually, I'm non-binary. Like my pronouns are mm-hmm. he, they, like leave it at that. And if they fight me, then like, I'm a little spunky. So sometimes I get those times where I'm kind of like fighting back. And then other times I kind of just like have to let it go. My username is Kellen is King. So that all started because my usernames used to just be Kel Suede on everything. And then I realized that it was not in people's face enough that I did not like girly terms. I don't like all these things that people were saying. And so I changed it to Kellen is King because my friends would always call me King like as a, like just, you know, whatever. And so I changed it to that. And so when I first did that, it was really like mind blowing to me that people would comment like, yes, queen on my stuff. I'm like, dude, it's right there. (laughs) Um, So I originally would kind of like just cry about it on the inside or like tweet on it and then my friends would go and fight for me in the comments and I had to learn to kind of just suck it up or if I believe that's my truth and that's myself then I need to make that known and the more confident that you are as yourself the less people are going to try to like attack you for lack of better words I feel like the more that I've stood up and been like oh yeah my name's Kellen my pronouns are he, they, the more that people have been like accepting of it, because if you stand up for yourself and you put it in their face, they're not going to be able to reject it as much as they like to. And they're also going to get really bored with you because they'll be like, oh, well, I'm not getting a reaction out of that person that I wanted. And so I think that that's seriously the most important thing is take a break when you need it. But when it's not time to break up, you got to suck it up and stand up for yourself because otherwise nobody is going to listen to you and they're not going to take you seriously. And while we shouldn't like rely on the thoughts of others, it's going to help you too. And it's when you're fighting your inner demons and what's going on in your head, you'll be able to be stronger against that too, because you're like, wait, I know myself. I know my truth. This is me. Nobody else can tell me anything. Love that. So talking about standing in your truth uh, and really embracing that, it's so important for individuals. Brands that have been slow to sort of opening up the beauty space to folks that are maybe non-conforming, maybe are non-binary, that don't fit neatly into conventions of men and women and all this stuff. Uh, What's your advice as a content creator that's become an authority uh, as an important non-binary voice uh, to those companies to like make space to be more inclusive like what are your thoughts how can they do that i definitely think that the first thing you need to do is get like non-binary gender non-conforming people on your team and when you are picking influencers for like pr packages and stuff like you need to have those other people in there and do your research i feel like brands kind of just like get really lazy with it they don't like no anything sometimes I remember seeing on Twitter one time there was like the men's section the women's section and then 
for they thems. I'm like, what is that? That's not how that works. Like every gender is just it's made up and it, clothing is just cloth. So why do things have to be boxed in by that anyways? And while sizing is important, there's size charts. We can figure it out, use different models. Like mm-hmm. there should never be at any point that a consumer cannot see diversity within your product. It goes the same thing because people, you know, they'll do a really good job at like doing different foundation shades and like being diverse as far as race, which as a black person, that's incredibly important to me. But I feel like that's a lot easier because it's it's on your appearance. It's straight. It's like, okay, I just have to make sure that my crayon fits that person's skin color. But with gender, you have to dig. And that's why I feel like brands kind of get a little like lazy with it. So like as far as like for me, I I don't label anything with gender whatsoever on um I'm currently in the process of making a new website and I've been featuring a lot of like my fans and consumers on there and Mm -hmm. I have their pronouns on everything so that it's just there's never the opportunity for mistake when it's right there then you can't say you didn't know and that's always people's excuses well I didn't know sorry or I forgot you can't forget if it's right there so I love that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's on them to do the digging, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with any luck, uh, and really not luck, with people like yourself that are in this space, um, you know, there will be greater pressure towards doing things the right way. So again, really, really thrilled to have been able to chat with you about this and about what you're up to and your brands uh, and making a big difference because it's welcomed, it's needed. Um, and we're hoping that there's going to be more folks like you that are talking truth to what the reality is and helping yeah. people to catch the hell up. Uh, before <laughs> <Seriously>. we wrap, <laughs> before we wrap, we've got our quick take section. So kind of these are questions that we ask of all of our guests. It's the same thing. We're just looking for you to tell us what your thoughts are. Top of mind stuff. Um, the first one that we've got stumps people, but it shouldn't really. Bar soap or body wash? I, I do oh. not like bar soap at all I think it leaves a terrible residue I only use it like if I really extremely need to smell good because I feel like it adds on that extra it's like deodorant but in the shower I don't like bar soap otherwise it's way too sticky you no it does like the opposite of lotion so I definitely body wash (laughs) I love this is exactly what we were hoping for strong opinions (laughs) Um, I'm also a team body wash, so I feel you on that for all of the things that you said. Uh, Okay, pandemic. Look, you talked about you hadn't gone outside for a while. I had been in that same space. Things are obviously taking a turn with this Delta variant, um, which leads us to a lot of streaming, right? Like people are watching TV and movies and all sorts of things, music, et cetera, podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, What have you been streaming? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm not a TV person. I don't watch TV. I... um very much just on my phone so I guess I've streamed a lot of TikTok I have been watching um has been hotel it's a YouTube show I don't know if you've ever heard of it it takes place in hell odd like oddly enough it's a cartoon but it, it's so good and there's only one episode like only the pilot is out um and it's like 30 minutes long but I've watched that over and over and over again 
as far as music, I've been streaming a lot of my boyfriend's music, to be honest. Fine, he recently, um, oh yeah, um, it's called Sidewalks End. That's his, he's a solo artist. So like, that's his band. It's Sidewalks End. It's very like scene kid while he also has heavy. So if you like any alternative music, I would definitely check it out. I've streamed a lot of that. Specifically check out the song Candy Glitter Heart because it's about me. It's about me being okay. an emo. So <laughs> yes. Amazing. We and love, um, lastly, definitely a lot of Sleeping with Sirens. They're my favorite band. I recently collaborated with Kellen Quinn, who is like my absolute comfort person. So after I got more um, back into like emo stuff, I've just wanted to go back to my roots and listen to a lot of SWS. So, yeah. Love that. Okay. Well, everybody can plug. Look, in, look into all of those and we'll link to stuff as we can in the show notes. Uh, what is, I mean, look, we're a bunch of beauty junkies and product heads here. So what is one product that you cannot live without? And ideally not one of yours. Oh, this question is so hard. And I thought about this question for so long. Um, <laughs> whatever products I can't live without, I always end up living without for a moment because I have ADHD. So like, ah, I just forget about stuff. Yep. yep. Um, I would definitely say though, a holy grail for me has got to be Fenty Beauty's just regular longwear foundation. I was not a Rihanna fan that big until she released Fenty and I had no foundation that matched my face. So that's, it's my absolute favorite. I love it. So I that's would say a Fenty that. Beauty. Love that. Yes. We love hearing that. And I'm sure that Fenty Beauty will also appreciate that testimonial. Uh, go Riri. <laughs> uh, okay. Last question before we wrap. Mm -hmm. What is your advice for anyone who wants to make it to the top of beauty or become a top content creator? Um, do your research, stay consistent, especially if you're trying to get popular on TikTok. The best way is to be on TikTok. While I took a break, I have no idea what the heck is trending right now. So it's taking me a little bit longer to get back in there, but definitely just do your research, know the algorithms, stay consistent and take a break when you need it. Also, don't close yourself in a box. I've done that way too many times and it always causes me to fail on the back end. Just be yourself. If you want to make content about everything, make content about everything. Don't close yourself in a box. All right, Kellen, before we wrap, where can we find you and your brands? How can we find you? Where are you? Give us all the usernames. Okay, um, my usernames are all Kellen is King. Um, that's K-E-L-L-I-N-I-S-K-I-N-G. If you see Kellen Quinn, it's not me, it's the other one. Um, but we're, we're homies, so it doesn't matter. Um, as far as my brand, I just recently changed everything to Shop K Suede. So Shop K-A-Y-S-U-E-D-E. -E. Our website is shopkalesuede.com. I also have an Etsy and the link is in all of my bios, so... Yeah. Amazing. Well, we will include all of those in our show notes as well. Kellen, it could not have been nicer to be chatting with you. Honest to God, lovely combo. Really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for being on Bali Ma. Jeffrey, Kellen Suede, all right, influencer, clothing shop owner, has a lot to say on what it means, as he mentioned, to be non-binary in the beauty industry. Amazing interview. Loved his perspective. Uh, he had so much to offer in terms of what it's been like for him uh, as he's sort of dealt with the TikTok followers and their reaction to the content that he's putting out there and sort of 
perception versus reality. And all. I mean, it's really fascinating to talk to someone about that process because you sort of see the shiny yeah. posted video that goes viral without thinking about the person who's really behind all of that. Uh, so again, really much, very much appreciated talking with him about his experience uh, and sort of what he's up to with both the content creation of it all, as well as the, the clothing brand. And as we said in the interview, we've linked to all of his sites within the show notes. So go check them out. Give go them check them out. And speaking of, be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees and send in questions to volumeupattetees.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey, Stephen Jodoran, and Madeline Hickey. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode, and to Josh Landowski for editing so you can watch and listen on YouTube.